This is Work of the Beat. It is Monday, December 23rd, 2019. I'm Kevin Cunio, Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here as we get set for the holiday week. One topic's going to dominate the conversation here for the next couple weeks, so that's going to be the Eagles as they are on the or threshold. Or at least till Sunday. Or at least till Sunday. And actually, it'll dominate the conversation after Sunday, if they, even if they lose, because people wonder, how do you lose the Won't Giants? dominate it, though. It'll just sum up the season. Yeah, it will. How about uh, this? How about the Eagles lose to the Giants and the Cowboys lose at home to the Redskins? Which is possible, <laughs> given what you've seen. Anything's year. possible. Yeah. God, the cards went to Seattle yesterday and ruined one of my teasers. Um, so, obviously, the big news is the 17-9 win by the Eagles. Um over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday to keep their hopes alive, to make the playoffs, to give themselves actually the the keys to the driver's seat. Uh, within the NFC East, the Eagles control their own destiny. All they have to do is beat the Giants, who have actually played kind of spunky here the last couple of weeks. Well, they beat them in overtime here. Yeah. Now, the, the other and quarterback then, and will then, be playing. And then when they won the following week against the Dolphins, and then they yeah. beat the, the uh, Redskins in overtime. It's so. not going to be. A cakewalk. And, and no, no, nothing for this team is going to be a cakewalk. But, you know, when you're playing with, like, your fifth string wide receivers. By the way, Greg Ward has become my favorite player. He's all, that's, that's awesome. That is just awesome. I know he's not Jerry Rice. But that he can come in and do what he did, does. Yeah. Did, does. Um, is just, to me, that's, that's like, you know. You know what yesterday was? If we were covering colleges, mm-hmm. we would call it a program win. Mm-hmm. Like when Villanova or Temple might knock somebody off that, you know, maybe they had no business knocking off, and you would just say, okay, that's that's what yesterday was. It was, you know. Well, it's funny you mentioned this because there was a clip, and I, I wanted to play it for you at some point. I'm going to play it for you uh, on Fox's website this morning. Uh, it's from Troy Eggman. They do a game recap after the game. And one statement, and Mike, I think you have your headphones around. You should hear this uh, from Aikman. Uh, kind of summed up maybe the best thing about this. It couldn't be happier for this Eagles organization, and it's like I said during the broadcast, it's it, it's the best team win that that quite honestly, with what was at stake and how undermanned they were, that I can recall seeing at any point in my broadcasting career. And what's left for the so I mean, you know, that's, he, he said that on the air last night. Yeah, so. I mean, the fact that. <clears throat> Look, you had Ertz go down the first quarter, and he basically played decoy the rest of the game. And they were able, and, you know, look, and Aguilar and Jeffrey and all the guys who have been out all along, and their their secondary loses Darby in the first half, that they were able to keep, they were able to keep in the game and then win it is a testament to two things. Doug Peterson's ability to rally this team to play the, the the next man up football, which we saw a couple of years ago, and then we saw it, I, we've seen it the last couple of weeks, and the ineptitude of Jason Garrett. I mean, this is just well, this speaks, I think, as much about the Cowboys as the. Here's Eagles. the problem: Doug Peterson thinks he's Vince Lombardi. He's not, but he won the Super Bowl, and I don't want to hear about Frank Reich and deeply and all this. He's a good coach. He, he's but. He's not. He gets carried away. He gets carried away with who he is and telling people that they never played the game and all that crap. But his players at times will play for him. When they did it two years ago, they won a Super Bowl. And 
When they did last they, year, they came on. They did it last year, and of course, those two times were false. But okay, and the quarterback has played really well the last three weeks with not a whole lot around them. But yeah, the Cowboys. I mean, you look, sit there and look at the Cowboys, and you say, what? "They look." I'm sure Dak's shoulder was not 100, percent and he didn't get. And that's not. And the ina- inaccuracy is not part of his game, and he was inaccurate a lot. Yesterday. But here's the scary part to me: and they dropped Jason Witten dropped the ball. Are you kidding me? Like Amari Cooper dropped the ball. It was right. With the Eagles like up eight in the fourth quarter, there's a Dallas guy three yards behind the defensive back. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? And Dak overthrew it. Mm-hmm. Huh? Like twice. Yeah. Amari there was Co- the one with Gallup, and then there was another yeah. one with, with Cobb and where Amari he missed Cooper's it. And Cooper's not in the game at the end, and, and on and, and on and, and on. And on. Elliot's tapping out on that but, as they're getting near the goal line, and it ended up in the fumble uh, at hey, look, the end of the third quarter. Maybe he was hurt. I, I don't know. I'm not going to knock a guy for saying, hey, I got, you know, maybe he was hurt. I don't know this. The Eagles, and this goes back to like, it, it, it was a great win. No doubt about it. How can you have a third and one at the Dallas, I don't know, what was it, 30, 35, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and throw twice? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You've got, and I said this at the Seattle game when they had that third and less than a yard, and they put Wentz back in the shotgun, handed off the miles, and he got hit for like a three yard loss. No, 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 no. You just quarterback sneak twice, or you hand it to, to Miles up there. You're, you're in four down territory. You're going to go for it. Run the ball twice. Get the first down. And it's just, it, and you see things like that, and you go, huh? But that all being said, this day, I, I guarantee you there will be a point on Sunday where Eagle fans will be sitting there going, oh my god, you know. But I think they're going to win. I mean, I I can't believe they're going to do all this and lose. And and you talked about this. <clears throat> earlier um off the air you know now even if you win sunday the path is interesting because assuming seattle loses to san francisco which you know now they don't have now they don't have yeah. carson in the running back and but seattle's a weird team they, they, right yeah but you they're way better on the road than they are at home which is bizarre look they got they got a good quarterback so but if they came in here in two weeks, I wouldn't think the Eagles won't have a chance. You know, Seattle will probably be like about a two point, three point favorite. I'm guessing. That's nothing. That's like a pick'em game. Would you? Ra- Here's a question: if- I don't want to play the 49ers. I'd rather play Seattle. Would you rather play the? Would you Saints? rather play the? I don't want to no, play no, the no, Saints. no, 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 no. Would you rather play the Seahawks or the Vikings in the first round? Uh that's an interesting one because the Vikings really killed you. I mean, the, I don't know. And the Vikings have the two wide receivers that you know could kill you. I mean, I don't know. I, I think at that point, you can't worry about, I'd rather play this team than this team. No, no, you know, I'm just saying. Seattle, but Seattle probably would be a lower scoring game, which I think the Eagles have a better chance of winning at home. Um, but the, I mean, look, the Vikings, look, every team is better than the Eagles. Dallas has more talent than the Eagles. Mm-hmm. That's their problem. So whoever they play, they're going to be either a pick them. Slide it, whatever. It, they're, they're not really shouldn't win the game. But because they're at home and, you know, uh, their defense plays out so much better at home. Assuming that they beat the Giants, of course. Assuming, well, hey, look, if they don't beat the Giants and, and like I said. If but, they don't beat the Giants and the Cowboys, I mean, they'll lose you, to the you, Redskins. Yeah, you could ah. I mean, you know, that I've seen stranger scenarios happen. Um, but let, let's say it plays out. Yeah, I mean, they'll have a, look, you'll have a home playoff game. And your quarterback of the future will get to play in that game. 
That can't be a bad thing, even if you lose the game, even if you don't look good in the game. Well, and yesterday was basically Carson Wentz's first playoff game. I mean, yeah. in a way. And he looked pretty good. He The, the moment wasn't too big for him, which no, is good to see. I don't need enough the moment's ever been too big for him. I mean, you know, what games, like, did he just choke, like, over his career? I don't right. know. When he wasn't hurt. Yeah, well, and that, I, and I, mean, that's, I don't. Yeah, I don't know when he was hurt. When he wasn't, I still think last year he was. You know, he was hurt most of the, right. the year. Um, so I don't know. I mean, look, it. it but then, then what happened is because we live in Philadelphia. This is what I love. And by anybody who thinks those fan shots after the game where they're in like chicken and peach, and we're going to talk to five fans, my favorite part then, of local and news, then, and then the one, one fan has them going to the Super Bowl, and nobody can. Hey, hey, please. Please, please, I'm sure that they've done surveys that say that people want to hear. I don't want to hear Jim from Maniunk. I really don't. Or Sue from Holmesburg. I don't. But now the fans are delusional because they beat the boys, who, by the way, are 7-8 and football team and have lost, after a 3-0 start, you know, eight of, the, eight of their last 11, 12, 12 whatever. Um, so I don't want you luck. It's great. It was a really, really, really good win yesterday. It's a nice win. This team lost to the Dolphins three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. This team needed overtime to beat the Giants. This time needed a Gre- team needed a Greg Ward catch with twenty seconds to go to beat the Red to beat the Redskins. Redskins. And that's fine. You won the games. It's it's. But you know, they the, also lost to the Lions and the Falcons. We should point out too. Well, <laughs> yeah, but every every team during the course of a year loses to somebody. You look back. I mean, the Lions were a better team then. They had Stafford. The, the Falcons, it's the Falcons. You know, it's the Falcons on a Thursday night or whatever. I think it was a Thursday night. No, Sunday night. Sunday night. The Packers was a Thursday night. And they went to Green Bay and won. Green Bay's 11 and went to Buffalo and won. And yeah. Buffalo looks a hell of a lot better than exactly. everybody would have thought. So you can, you can take them any way you want. Um, and I think they're about where they should be. Uh, coming up on the show, um, we will have, well, we have two guests today. Two. Um. It is Derek Gunn from NBC Sports Philadelphia, the longtime Eagles reporter, has been there since the station began. The only survivor. The only, no, that's not true. Barkin. Close. Barkin. Close. I know. I know. I'm, it's a very small island. There, it is. Um, the so that will be uh, that will be one of our guests. Our second guest is a surprise. Uh, we're going to keep it a surprise. It's a fun one. It's and honor the holidays, and also because we want you to sell, uh, to help with a great cause. So uh, we'll give you a little surprise on that when we get to that point. But first up, it's going to be Derek Gunn. Uh, Derek Gunn will join us here on Work of the Beat, and that comes right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way, this is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workinthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, the longtime reporter, anchor from 
Comcast Sports Net and NBC Sports Philadelphia. It's one and the same, but I always make sure I mention the first name. It's Derek Gunn. Derek, how are you? Good. How you guys doing? We're hanging in there. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I got. For, I got to ask him this question, and he'll. What's a mummer? What's a, what's a what? What's a mummer? You uh, you remember when you asked me that, and I yeah. tried and I tried and I had no answer for you. <laughs> I, I, I've been here twenty two years in this area. I still can't give an accurate description of what a mummer is. It's like porn. You know it when you see it, but you can't describe it. And this conversation's okay, let's go with that. yeah, and this conversation's <laughs> off to a rolling stop. Um, now he came up to me one one time, like around New Year's, because Eddie had me in dressed in a costume or something. And he goes, "Mike, what's a mummer?" And, and I sat and I thought and I thought and I, I and I couldn't come up with a good answer. So a, a mummer usually is intoxicated, but that's a whole uh, different story. Um, Derek, all right, how surprised were you by what happened yesterday? Uh, like many people, uh, shocked. I knew the Eagles would make a better showing because uh, they were literally embarrassed week seven down in Dallas. And I knew they weren't going to play that bad again. But when you consider uh, Dallas outside of uh, Leighton Van Der Esch came into this game relatively healthy. Uh, the temperature was near 50 degrees, so it wasn't a cold day. And the Eagles are basically playing with practice squad receivers, a backup at right tackle, uh, a, a young running back who is still emerging, who's backed up by another guy who was basically a special teams player. I just thought this was a perfect scenario for the Eagles to give it a great shot, but have enough, not have enough firepower to get the job done. But what they were able to do on both sides of the football against this Dallas team that has been inconsistent all year long was nothing short of phenomenal. And I, and I know they're eight and seven, and I know people are kind of down the Eagles overall. But when you look at the, the whole journey this year and look at what they've had to battle without to get to where they are now, I think the coaching staff, while it has been up and down, has done a great job in a lot of ways in terms of keeping us together, players not finger-pointing at each other, uh, and now in a position to win a division again. Yeah, Gunner, Kevin and I were talking about this earlier when we came on, but to me it's almost like when you cover a college team and you say that was a program win. You know, it's it, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, um, but it was just one of those games where you said they they had more character yesterday than the team they were playing. And I think that just – and look, Doug's not Vince Lombardi. I get that. But they played for him yesterday, and they played for themselves. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's the one thing I can say that's a consistent with Doug since he's taken over this team. Um, he's gotten players in here that buy into the system. Uh, the only negative in, in my mind during his tenure has been Orlando Scandrick when he spoke out uh, against the team after he left here. But when you consider how many teams go through similar situations and people start grumbling, people start finger pointing, you don't see that with this team. And I think that's a credit to the coaching staff and to the hand-selected leaders in that locker room that keep this thing together and basically just focus on the next game and just focus on the next game. Let's see what happens the well, next game. Well, Derek, I mean, not to contra, not to, you know, argue, uh, not arguing, but the question, I mean, you did have the, the incident, you know, the Jacina Anderson reports and everything that went on earlier in the year. Um, and there's been links of it with certain players and all that. 
is it possible that with getting all this new blood in, okay, and the wards and the, you know, everybody else, Boston Scott and all that, that they've somehow cleaned out some of that element in the locker room that maybe against their quarterback? Okay, when you talk about the Josina Anderson incident, it's, it's, it's well rumored that Alshon is right. her contact. Okay, so that's one guy. Right. I think the best thing that happened for, and I hate to say this, but I think the best thing that happened for this team to get where they are now is for certain entities to be deleted by way of injuries because you've relied on a bunch of young, hungry guys who are trying to make a way, trying to make a name for themselves in the National Football League. And they're too young to, to, to buckle under the pressure of playing a, a national game. I'm playing a game of the magnitude that we just watched yesterday. They just want to go out and ball out and play and show that they're worthy of being. I mean, you Ron Davis. You got Greg Ward Jr. You got Boston Scott. You got Josh Perkins. You know, these are guys that would normally be sitting on a bench if other guys were healthy. But because in this game that we know is one man's injury is another man's opportunity, these guys have risen to the occasion and they've made some significant plays and big plays for this team when they've had to. Yeah. What did yesterday mean to the quarterback? Um, I think it meant the world. I mean, let's face it. Uh, he's taken a lot of criticism this year, and, and a lot of it justifiable. Uh, but but for the last few games, and I know it was against the Giants and the Redskins, but you know what? you got to win those games just like you got to win the big games. He rallied the team in two consecutive weeks to keep them in the playoff picture. And then he came out and he outplayed Dak Prescott, again, with a bunch of backups. Um, and I thought I thought this was his, I don't want to say coming out moment, but I thought this was his one of his biggest shining moments as a young pro quarterback in the National Football League. You look at some of the throws he made. You look at some of the key passes he had to make in certain situations. That touchdown pass he threw to Goddard over the top of two defenders was a thing of beauty. Um, so I think this it was a defining, shining moment for Carson Wentz in an adverse situation because a lot of people in the media and fans alike were expecting the Eagles to go in that game and lose to the Cowboys again. We're talking to Derek Gunn of NBC Sports Philadelphia, the host of the Quick Slants, and obviously... Who's gutting it out, by the he way. He is gutting it out, and so is Mr. Kern, I should point no, out. No, Derek point. sounds... Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> um, I've, been up, I've been upgraded. <laughs> All right. On the flip side of what you saw out of the Eagles and wanting to play for their coach and the energy that they had, can you believe that a team as talented, at least on paper, as the Dallas Cowboys, continues to fall on their face like this and clearly showed it they had checked out on their coach long before that game. You know, I thought this division should have been over weeks ago. Um, when you look at those three consecutive games they lost, then all of a sudden the light switch comes on and they take it to the Rams. So I'm thinking, well, maybe if they're not going to play for their coach, they're playing for pride and playing for themselves. Uh, but I do think that they basically have checked out on, on Jason Garrett and maybe even the whole coaching staff. Um, now, you know, people were saying, well, if Dallas loses this game, you fire Garrett right after the game. No, you can't because basically you still have a week to play and you can make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't really fire Jason Garrett, but I think Jason Garrett should have been fired three or four years ago. I think he's, he's basically at the end of his rope with his organization now. But when you look at the talent level of players that they have on both sides of the football, there's no excuse for this team being seven and eight. You have one of the top three running backs in the game. 
You have one of the better offensive lines in the game. You have one of the better linebacking cores in the game. You have a pretty good pass rush up front. You have everything that you need to compete for a division championship for the last three or four years and should have ran away with the division this year, and you didn't. And so that tells me that the message is not getting through to the players. And when that happens, as you guys know, it's time to make a change in the people who are making the decisions on the field. Will that ever change, though, with Jerry as the meddling owner? I think if you get the right coach in there, like, let's say, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think if you get an Urban Meyer in there, because these players all know who an Urban Meyer is, I think if you change that kind of culture, I think if you change the scheme, I think these these players are going to be on board. Because let's face it, as much as they want to get paid individually, a lot of these players, they want to hoist that trophy one day. Right. They want to say they were able to hoist that Lombardi trophy. And a lot of these guys are in their prime. And they know the clock is ticking against their careers. Um, it's not a just, you know, it's not about just putting on a uniform. Guys want, guys want that glory as well, you know. And when you think about how many players who play this game in the history of this game who never get to win a championship, it's unbelievable. But you know, these guys are bright also; they want to play. But I do think, and I and I truly believe in talking to a few of my friends down in Dallas, that change is coming in a lot of ways for this Cowboys organization. Do Do you think it is going to be urban? I don't know. You know, he, he's, he's been seen in a number of different games. Right. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, it could be. If anybody could lure an Urban Meyer uh, to their organization, it would be Jerry Jones, for, number one. I don't think anybody in the league has any more money than Jerry Jones, so you're not going to outbid him. Number two, you already have a nucleus of players in place on both sides of the ball to win and to win big. So you have everything in a facility to have both a practice facility, and a stadium where they play their games is second to none. So you have everything that you could possibly want to throw out there as bait to an incoming coach. Yeah, most, and I think that... Uh, no, most coaches, when they take over... Want control. Usually, well, no, but they usually take over a crummy team. They're right. taking over a team for a reason. Exactly. You're not taking... But the only thing is that, like, at somebody has to tell Jerry at some point, whether it's Urban or somebody, or whoever it is, you can't be you. Like, because I think the worst thing that's happened to the Cowboys in the last 25 years is him. Um, because he just doesn't know when. It, it's all about Jerry in the, the bottom the bottom line. And, and I understand he's the owner. He can do whatever he wants. But at some point, you know, if he wants to get another trophy before he, you know, goes, I think he's just got to step back. And I don't think he's capable of that. I think, I think at this point he's been embarrassed enough. And I don't know much about Jerry Jones, but I think at this point, when you look at him and he's always in front of the camera, has his own radio show. Uh, I think Jerry Jones is to a point where it's been embarrassing that he hasn't been able to win a trophy in the last 20 plus years. I think he will concede hiring a strong willed coach. I think Jerry, to the mo- for the most part, is still going to be Jerry. Mm-hmm. He's still going to be visible because he likes to be visible. But I think he can separate the two. If he gets the right coach to lead this team forward, I think he can separate the two and not be the so-called uh, dark shadow that hovers over the daily operations, the practices, and games. He'll still be as visible as he wants. Because let's face it, it's Jerry, Jerry's world is Jerry's toy. And as the owner, he's going to do with it what he wants, no matter who's in there. But I also believe Jerry's a smart businessman. He didn't get to where he is today by being a dumb businessman. Yeah. And so if he wants to win that badly, he will give that new coach some breathing room to secure his identity with his players. Yeah, and I'm still not the biggest guy with college coaches. I just, 
Uh, we saw it up many, close for a couple of years. Yeah, many here. more times than not, it doesn't work. Um, and I know that's what, but I don't know who, like if, if urban's not the guy, you know, or some guy, like I, well, that's a college guy though. I, I, I mean, again, yeah, I, I just don't know who it is, but I just know the next guy that comes in there is starting with a big advantage over most coaches that come in, you know, to programs because they're no usually question. taking over a three and 13 team. Let me no get, question. let me give it this back to the Eagles, Derek. I mean, obviously there was a lot of thought before the last three weeks of, there's going to be massive amounts of change on the roster, maybe on the coaching staff and everything. Assuming they win this week and assuming they meet, you know, look, they could even beat Seattle in the first round. Mike and I were talking about this with the way Seattle's running back situation sure. is right now. Sure. Does that change the big picture? No. Good. There's going to be changes. There's going to be changes in the coaching staff. There's going to be changes in the player. I think from my perspective, there's going to be at least three or four uh, coaches who are gone, and there's going to be maybe up to eight, ten players uh, who, who could be gone from the scene. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that because you need to get younger, cheaper, and you can get better. You can get younger and get better at the same time mm-hmm. uh, at a number of positions. You'll go through some growing pains. Now, we all know how he likes to spend his money in free agency, and there's nothing wrong with that if you get the right person. So he's going he's gonna to get himself a couple of players through free agency, but the bulk of this has to come through the draft next spring. And so right now, how it should be telling his scouts all over the country, this is what I need. This is the kind of speed I need. This is the kind of muscle I need. I want you guys to find it. Not just the first round picks, but third, fourth, and fifth round picks as well. Boy, I hope they don't draft another wide receiver. What's that? I hope they don't draft another wide receiver. Well, <laughs> they're going to draft a wide receiver. Sure, yeah. But, I mean, if you get, I mean, let's face it. Uh, Antonio Antonio Brown probably one of the greatest receivers in the game. Low round pick. Yeah. John Brown was a low round pick. You can find one. Yeah. Oh yeah. You just have to be careful. Derek, getting back to though what Kevin was was saying, like my fear is, they f- they beat the Giants, they beat let's say the Seahawks, and in the next game they play okay. You know they play they go on the road somewhere, kind of you know, like what happened last New year, New Orleans, San Francisco, wherever, and they they play that somebody sits there and goes, you know. Look at we 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 lost all these guys and and still we we you know we we made a decent showing and they, they're going to make changes but that they won't make you know like how are you going to go up to your offensive coordinator and say well you're gone yeah but we just you know made it to the second round of the play you know what I'm saying I just have that fear that it that it, that could happen a little bit um, if they get to the second round of the playoffs I think it's already etched in the minds of people in an organization change needs to be made okay. and i don't think unless this team gets to the super bowl i don't think there's any way certain coaches are still going to be around after this season i don't think this team's good enough to get to the super bowl i mean to be honest they're not going to win down in new orleans they're not going to win in san francisco right um they can they can hang with green bay they can hang with Seattle because, as you guys just alluded to, the state of the running back situation. Yeah, Marshawn well, Lynch is going back there, apparently. Oh, geez. You know what? Seattle. If nothing else, if nothing else, he's going to be good, good for show. How about the Vikings? <laughs> would you, what, what kind of chance would you give him against the Vikes? You know what? Ask me that question after they play Green Bay tonight. I think the okay. Vikings are a good team. Um, I, and, and I think let's, you have to watch the running back situation. They may yeah. go into this game tonight. Uh, we don't know how bad Dalvin Cook's shoulder is. Right. Um, but I think Minnesota will give this team problems as well. 
if the Eagles had to go into Minnesota again and play in Minnesota. So you're right. There's three t- there's three places I don't like the Eagles having to go into New Orleans, San Francisco, or Minnesota to try to win a playoff game. Can you explain to people on the outside the relationship you and Brandon Graham have? First and foremost, it's organic. <laughs> it's not manufactured. Um, um, it also this 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 whole Wes D. Gun thing started a few years ago. Uh, when Barrett Brooks was a part of the group that was on a show called Breakfast on Broad. Right. And the last year of the show, Brandon was on a show once a week. So unbeknownst to me, Barrett would tell Brandon every week, you know, D-Gun's picking against you. Oh, really? <laughs> D-Gun's always picking against us. And all of a sudden, he started this, what has become a cult following. Where's D-Gun, you know? Uh, but he and I formed a great relationship before that. Uh, we've always been honest with each other. I think in a lot of ways, although I'm much older than him, we're a couple of big kids who refuse to grow up, uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways and it just fed off each other. And so now it has become a weekly cult following. Um, and, and you know, you can always tell, you know, when something is, is forced and manufactured, uh, there's nothing about what we do. It's unscripted. We never know which direction it may go in. The only constant we do know is that when the Eagles win, Brandon's going to walk down the tunnel and scream, where's D-Gun at? There he is. <laughs> Outside of that, we have no idea which direction is going in, uh, but it's a lot of fun. You know, I know this has been getting a lot of play, but, uh, you know, I've been here since the inception of Sportsnet, which is now NBC, 1997. And when they asked me to cover the Eagles, you know, I can go back. I had similar relationships, uh, on-air relationships, off-camera relationships. Dawkins. Dawkins, uh, Trotter, right. Hugh Douglas, uh, Chad Lewis, John Runyon, Ike Reese, um, Bobby Taylor, Troy Vinson. So it's I've been fortunate enough to have great candid relationships with a litany of players over the last 22 years. And I guess this is just the latest in my uh, animated legacy, let's say. So when you pick against them and they lose, what does Brandon say then? Puts his head down and walks in the locker room. Okay, fair. (laughs) I'm I'm never, I'm always amazed. And I love Brandon. He seems like he's a great guy. I don't know him personally, but he seems like he is and everybody. But when they're five and seven coming off a loss to the Dolphins, and he says, well, it's us against the world. Well, no kidding, it's you against the world. I mean, yeah, what like, do you want? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I'm like, just let's be real about it. But, you know, if, hey, if that makes them play better or if that's what infuses them, you know what? They, they, they should do that all the time. They, they should just make it us against them. Derek, last question from me on this. Um, sure. You mentioned all those guys and, and you have a, you've had close relationships with all of them, but your job necessitates being critical and i know from being you know in the phillies locker room that doesn't always go over well has has it how do you kind of work how does that relationship work then when you are criticizing them i think um i think uh the respect that i've gained not just in the locker room here but i've been covering pro football for over 40 years for the steel you did you're not that old oh yeah i am i'm 61 brother you're the same age as me Yes, sir. God, you look a lot better than me. That's true. I have a one-year-old grandson. (laughs) I have a two-year-old grandson. Way to go, man. Wow. But, you know, the one constant in my career is, uh, and I've covered the Chargers, the Packers, the Steelers, and now the Eagles. Um, I've never lied to a player. I've never betrayed a source. I've had players uh, throughout my career come up to me and say, hey, 
hey, I heard you said about me. I thought uh, this about me. I thought we were boys. I said, tell me where I was wrong. And I guarantee you, they always say, you know what? Well, yeah, you're right. Or I said, or I would say, hey, look, I've just reiterated what you just said. So it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm chastising you for no reason. And I've had a few players along the way in the Eagles locker room uh, that have said that. And they'll say, you know what? You're right, Digger. And I've never betrayed a front office source. I've never betrayed anything uh, that I've gotten. There are a lot of things that I know about pro athletes in general and this team in particular um, that will never be revealed, never be talked about because that's not what I do. And I think because of that, I've garnered the respect. So when younger players come in and they all want to know who are some of the people you can talk to and trust, I'm one of the few guys, those guys go, hey, look, you can trust him. You can talk to him. And that has been the case. So, I mean, so that's been a blessing for me. Uh, hopefully, you know, my honesty uh, has been my, my consistent calling card, uh, especially throughout my tenure here in Philadelphia. Uh, and if I have nothing else to leave behind in this business when it's all said and done, at least I can say that I try to be as honest and straightforward with guys as I could possibly be. Well, you know, the truth is a valid defense in 48 states. So you're on good ground there. And, you know, you and Barkan have won Survivor. You're out there like on an island almost all, all by the yourself. Original, yeah. But I have to ask you this before we go because I used to give you sure. crap about this. Your good buddy Andy, okay, who I know you like a lot, and that's okay. How far are they going this year? Is, is this finally the year where Andy either gets back to the soupy or maybe wins the soupy? I think the Chiefs have gotten hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Reid's done an incredible job with that team, but I think um, I don't bet a bit against a Bill Belichick team until they're officially knocked out. Yep. And the way the Ravens are playing right now, I think the Ravens are the team to beat um, in the AFC. So because Andy Reid would have to go into Baltimore or into New England and play either one of those teams or maybe both, um, I don't like his chances to get to the Super Bowl this year. Okay. And uh, yeah. I, I just want to see him. You know, people, I, I love the people to kind of knock Andy. And I'm like, because you know, I think they th- remember the last couple years when he probably even shouldn't have coached the one year. But he had like 10 really, really good years in this town. Yeah, he did. And people sure forget did. that because yeah. they didn't win a Super Bowl. And I, I get that. But my God, they went to like, you know, five NFC championship games and, you know, owned the NFCs for a long time. And I just think he gets a little bit of a yeah. a bad thing about that. Derek, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. In that regard, um, I just want to say this about Andy. You know, when you look at some of the teams that have been consistent losers in the National Football League, hey, he could have been a consistent loser for you. Uh, but he gave you this team a lot of pride uh, in, a, in the city, a lot of pride mm-hmm. for years. Yeah, he did. And he should be honored. Right When his career is I, over, he should be honored. I think if Andy race. ever does win a Super Bowl, it was kind of like when Dungy won. I think it'll be a real, real popular yeah. victory. For people in the league. I think yes. people in the league yes. love Andy Reid. Absolutely. Yeah. Derek Gunn from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Quick Slants is on nightly, uh, 6 o'clock on NBC Sports Philadelphia, and, of course, on Post Game Live. Have a ho-ho-ho, and have, I'll see you at the Mummers Parade, have pal. A, have a great holiday, Derek. I appreciate you doing this. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Yep. And, Mike, you will not see me at a Mummers Parade. That's exactly. <laughs> Your voice sounds a lot better now than it did when you came on this show. That's true. Does it really? <laughs> it does. I'm serious. And I want to wish, wish you and you guys, your families, 
all the best for Christmas and, and, and a prosperous uh, New Year as well, man. You guys are great guys. I have enjoyed getting to know you guys over the last 20 plus years. I miss our and talks. I, I miss. And I, I do and miss, I miss our talks. I know, man. When you used to come in every week, we sit down in the corner, have our little private talks <laughs> about a lot of things. And they stayed we, private talks. Yeah, they did. And they always will. Yeah. That's right. Hey, go play with your grandson. Thanks, Derek. All right, guys. Have a great Be day. Good. Be Derek good. Gunn. Derek Gunn from NBC Sports Philadelphia joining us here. Always one of my faves. Always one of the favorites. And, and we, he, we used to have like 15. Yeah, I'd get in. I always got there like an hour early. He, I, we he would talk. Is, we would talk. He is one of the best people. Well, you last 40 years in this business. Yeah. And Especially 20, covering the NFL. Which 22 is here. Cutthroat. I guess it's been 22 here, right? Yeah. Um, that says a lot. I mean, that, you know, um, God, I covered the colleges forever. And, and I, I looked at people like, you know, it doesn't seem like that when you're doing it, it doesn't seem like no. it's that long, you know, but, uh, and he does a really good job at it. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, he, he, he has just kind of the right, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Personality. Is that the, the right yeah. word the, to kind of do it? The best thing I think, if I'm an Eagle fan, I could take out of that phone call, no matter what happens the rest of the way, that they're going to make changes. They're going to make changes. Yeah, and see, I, and I'm not saying that that's not what's going to happen. I I do believe there's going to be changes. But if the scenario that we paint it, you know. Basically it, a carbon copy of what happened last year. Yeah, the, only difference is, the, second round. the only difference is this year you're doing it with less people mm-hmm. and a different quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay. But... And you were one year removed from the Super Bowls, two years as opposed to two years. But I just sit there and I go, like, are you going to go? Let's let's say for the sake of argument, the offense plays decently this week, plays decently in the wild card game, and plays decently, you know, in, in the next game, even if they lose it. You're going to walk into your offensive coordinator and say, well, geez, we just made the, you know, we won a playoff game. We came. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know this. Here, how about your defensive coordinator? I here, mean, here's the other scenario on this. And I should have brought this up with Derek, and I'm kind of kicking myself I didn't now. Yeah, Call Lane, him back. Well, no, no. Lane Johnson yeah. will probably try to play this week I, if he can. If he can. I mean, you know. But like Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar is declared healthy. Do you apply him? <sighs> I mean, I've always been a big believer in that when your guys that are your guys come back, you, you pl- should play them. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, just because they're your guys. I mean, I got to believe that having Aguilar out there is better than having Whiteside or um, Davis. I, I, mean, I just got to believe that, no matter what you think of Aguilar. You know, um, but like I said, my, my man Ward, I mean, that, he's kid, not is, going anyway. that kid is playing. I mean, yep. if he's not on this team next year as the third or fourth receiver, I'm not saying he's the one-two. He's not. But as a guy on this team, there, yeah, he has a role in their I mean, future. Boston should be on this team next yep. year. Um, Goddard, I love the fact that I always thought when they drafted Goddard, it was going to be kind of like what New England had. Not as good as that. Cause they, they of were, Hernandez and Gronkowski. Those two guys were Hall of Famers. Ertz might be a Hall of Famer someday. I, yeah, whatever. He's on that track. But use them. And for like three weeks, it was kind of like, what happened to Goddard? And yesterday they did, I think, because Ertz was yep. hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't understand why. When other teams are defensing the Eagles, why don't they see that? That's a great question. You know, and, and like the, I, I saw some things yesterday, like when especially that- especially because the Cowboys kept letting Goddard like they would do the twelve personnel, and the Eagles mm-hmm. will run, and the Eagles will run basically you know Ertz and Goddard when Ertz came back after the injury they would run Ertz and Goddard from the same area 
And like it didn't take much to figure out that one was going to go one way, one was going to go other, the other the, off yeah. the line. And the Cowboys and never adjusted. The one play I loved yesterday it might have been in the first half when Wentz hit Miles coming out of the backfield in perfect stride. Yeah, and you got about on the thirty wheel, yards on the wheel. Yeah, route. you got about thirty yards. Mm-hmm. You got which you very rarely see the Eagles do. It always seems like the pass is like here or there. Yep. He doesn't catch him quite in full. I'm telling you, Miles, is, is he's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it, 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 in some ways, they're not going to the Super Bowl. We all know no. that. But it's fun but to see something. some of these young guys. Yeah. And, you know, like Dallas has three Pro Bowl offensive linemen, right? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Like, and, I mean, the Eagles have two. I mean, on the one side, you got Johnson and Brooks who are arguably the best at their positions. Right. When we come back, a special guest, and we'll talk more as we lead up to the holidays. That's next on Working the Beat. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work of the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, a special guest. It's one of the voices that has defined Philadelphia radio over the last 25 years. I made him famous about a year ago. I had to write a story about him. Really? For Jersey Man Magazine. Yeah, he couldn't believe I was actually going to write a story about him. And we're bringing him in because we want to talk about a benefit he's doing at the at the media theater on Friday night for our buddy Big Daddy Graham. It's Joe Conklin. Joe, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm glad you got Mike Kern on there. He's doing a great job. And you should put him to work because he's he's wandering around northeast of Philadelphia looking for something to do. He's looking for Tagger. Is it Saturday? Is Tagger playing? <laughs> how do you get a how do you get a seriously? Yeah. seriously? How do you get a voice like his like down? Well, to his is a layup because it, it sounds a little like mine and everybody else from Philadelphia. But he's just a little bit more extreme, you know? He sounds exactly like my cousin Billy Dykin, who is the inspiration for Billy the Helper. <laughs> I got to meet him. You got to arrange that someday. <laughs> you really do. You guys could. Yeah, that somebody might have like somebody's head might explode if you're both waiting in line in Target. Do you know how many people uh, I've ever had come up, seriously come up to me and thought I was uh, seriously? I was cuz. They would say yeah, that, that to too. me, and Put I would say, "I'm Cuz Light." I always tell them, "I'm Cuz Light." <laughs> they should put me and him on one time, just for a half hour, so all the listeners' heads would explode. Dude, do you do Do you do that show up at Parks with him? You should. I should. You know what? I should just go up there one week and surprise him. But wear pads on your shoulders because he punches a lot. Really? <laughs> oh, that's so He'll cool! Oh man! Oh, I love you, Billy. Oh, Bo. <laughs> Um, So so what are you doing Friday night for your for your good friend? Who, by the way, on the radio Saturday he was on with uh, Ray and Glenn. Couldn't he was 
I heard he was singing my praises. I, I did singing your praises. Now. He said he basically says he loves you, and you know can't express it enough. I mean, I thought it was really uh, pretty cool. Well, every time I see him, I end with, "Please tell your wife I was thinking about her." <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to be endear myself to him. <laughs> uh, you know what? The guy's life has changed, and the whole family's life has changed. And they, he, she didn't have to say more than once what what X was costing her. And it just you got bills, you know. Anybody that's been through something like this, you you know or know somebody that's been literally crippled uh, uh, physically and. God, we all know emotionally what it can do, and then uh, economically, financially, bang, bam, another one, boom, another bill. So, I mean, this will give him a little. Uh, not going to cure everything, but we're going to we're going to do this one time for him and give him make make you know raise some money and uh, give him a little head start, and then hopefully get him back to work again because I I can't have him uh, sitting in that chair going nuts, not being able to get on the air, not being able to get out. You know he's gnawing at the bit there, chomping at the bit, whatever. Joe, but yeah, well, it's going to be a great show. Everybody's coming together. We got uh, all his friends in the uh, in the comedy business, his friends in the music business. Give it's us the details. Give us the details. It's Friday night. This Friday night. What what day is this now? This it's is Monday. Monday, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's the twenty seventh. It's the twenty seventh. Okay. Media theater. There's only a handful of tickets left, but I mean, you know, and they're expensive. Some of them are buck and a half, some are two fifty, um, and uh, you know, but we may make the the uh, balcony seats uh, come available for seventy five. We got a silent auction going on. Just to, do what you can if you can come out there buy a ticket. We got to move. I know you got some. You have some really rich listeners to this podcast, so uh, we want them to buy a couple seats. Do something nice for uh, somebody else. Joe, if, if somebody can't make it for whatever reason, or gets, is there any way they can? Is there like a go me GoFundMe or something like that? There that yeah, there is a GoFundMe. If you if you want to do that, we'll have that up uh, through the end of the year. I think it's it's called Gifts for Big Daddy under in the GoFundMe website. Yeah, Gifts for Big Daddy. Uh, when correct? Okay, Joe. When you talk about. When you talk to him, and I, look, you guys were close long before this. I mean, from your time on the on the circuit, you obviously did the two funny Philly guys uh, shows the last couple of years. Well, not the last couple of years, but for a lot of years, about ten years now. Yeah. Um, how do you? I mean, you know, you, you're a funny guy naturally, and you talk about trying to keep him cheered up and everything. How do you approach it? You don't want to be like. You know, you don't want to walk in, I'm sure. And you don't want to be Henny Youngman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how do you, you know, is, well, you is that difficult? Uh, if you know Eddie at all, you know he's uh, uh, he's up and down, uh, to be honest with you, like a lot of us mm-hmm. in the business, uh, you know. But, um, you know, he's he was always, uh, uh, with, this was the biggest, like at, at any time before the accident, this was the biggest blowout I've ever had. I think I'm moving out. And uh, <laughs> it, this was, uh, I don't know how much longer it is. He, he was always a, a gloom and doom guy. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, everything's fine. I don't want to talk about it. It's great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so he's up and down anyway. And now he's extreme up and down. Uh, but 
all you got to do is just be there for him. As, as far as uh, I'm just myself, I mean, Spins and everybody close to him, just um, you basically you, you break his balls like normal, <laughs> and you and and he really doesn't want to talk too much about his situation. Mm-hmm. He wants to talk about movies and music and the Sixers and whatever. Um, but you know, we we're running the show, and I'm talking. Uh, we also have a, 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 a show we're planning for Pittman uh, in February, February 15th. And I said, I hope you have a plan, Eddie. We're rolling out there. We're selling tickets. He does have a plan. Not only does he have to rearrange his whole life, this is a life change experience. <laughs> his act don't work anymore. He's got to write a new act. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, we gotta laugh at it. It's gallows humor, but he can't even say. So I'm walking down the street the other day because he can't walk. So I'm rolling down the street the other day. Yeah, right? you exactly. Know. I, I, we're writing a few jokes, but me and my buddy Mike Doherty, who who writes jokes for me, uh, he gave him a joke that says, uh, "You know, I'm fighting with my wife again. She thinks I'm rolling around on her." <laughs> And did Big Daddy? I know he was a big basketball guy. Was he still playing no. ball, or he no, kind of no, no, back no. injuries? Oh, he, he had the back. Stopped. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he stopped playing probably 15, 20 years ago. Okay, because I know he liked that. He was yeah. big yeah, into the hoops. Good. Uh, all right, I got to ask you other questions, Joe. Since I since I got you on, have you ever had somebody who came up and said how much they hated your their your impression of them? They hated hated it. Um, well, I had, I, I worked with Dick Vermeil the other last week and I remember the first time I met him and he's a good guy. He's mellowed a lot. He's, he was in, he was, he's very intense, Right. he's, he's less, he's less intense now. I remember meeting him about 20 years ago at the uh, Maxwell club. And, uh, this is when he was almost, he was interviewing for the Lori for the, with Lori for the Eagles job in the late nineties, mid to late nineties, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we were going freaking uh, when he said, uh, you know, I'm not going to get down on my knees and beg Jeffrey Lurie. I'm not going to get down on my freaking knees and beg <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie to be the coach of this football team. <laughs> and we went to town on that freaking Eagles. I'll do, friend. This is freaking Eagles talk with Dick Vermeil. <laughs> Go ahead, Dick. <laughs> I met him at the Maxwell Club, and he, I, I, went, I introduced myself. I said, Hey, uh, Dick, I'm Joe Conklin. I'm the guy that's imitating you on the radio. I know who you are. You got that freaking part down pretty good, don't you? <laughs> and then he so, gave you some Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yeah, no, and a, and a case of Vermeil wine. Uh, no, he, um, but he was a little tense. And I remember Bill Berge never enjoyed it. No, he didn't. Berge was, no. when, uh, you know, he, he says, you, you make me sound like a munchkin, and I don't. <laughs> uh, you, you mustn't be able to hear yourself, Bill. <laughs> I just... You're a six foot six, 275-pound munchkin. Uh, he, he wanted to break me in half every time he saw me. And I saw him the other night uh, uh, at, an, at an event, not the Vermeil, a, a different one. And, uh, yeah, he, he's... <laughs> He's still a little nuts. Still, he takes your hand and pull, almost pulls it off. You know, <laughs> the, the best one though is um, the the coat tight doing the traffic from <laughs> fr- the, from the helicopter. I, I'm telling you, I I mean, I rolled on the ground crying when you did that. It was the best. That was one of my first bits that I did with the morning guys. Morgani wrote that bit. <laughs> Morgani wrote it. Yes, he did. It was hilarious. They had Mom him up. 
Al comes up with most of the ideas, to be honest with you. Really? Okay. And then he leaves. He walks away. And we got to figure out. I got to figure out how to orchestrate what he just. That's because Al's smart. See, Al's smart. smart. (laughs) He is smart, but he doesn't want to be concerned with details. You go work it out. He drops the bomb (laughs) and walks away, pretty much. Um, should, know, uh, go ahead. No, I said we should give out the information again. Make yeah, make sure give out. Uh, uh, it's the media, media media theater media theater dot org. Um, GoFundMe is a, a gifts for Big Daddy under the GoFundMe website. But the show it's a bit, it's going to be a fun show. I mean, uh, you got musicians from the Hooters, Tommy Conwell of the Young Rumblers. You remember that show you can't get to heaven on, or that song you can't get to heaven on the Frankfurt? Yeah, beat up guitar. <laughs> those guys are those guys are there. American Dream, uh, Van Winkle, his name is. He's the father of uh, the Van, the the Winkle guy, guy that does the raps on Angelo's show. You can't get to heaven uh, on the Frankfurt L. Yeah, <laughs> all those musicians. This, this Friday night, mediatheater.org. What time? Uh, what time's the show start? About seven o'clock. Okay. We we may need a little. Still coming together. There's a matinee. There's Elf, the matinee. There might be kids walking out when we're coming in. You got to watch Frick, the act, freaking kids. And, and and obviously, are you still up at parks every Wednesday night? Once a month, we're back there. The first Wednesday of every month, we'll be up there January eighth. Okay, uh, which is right near Kern and I's house. And uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're right. let's go. Yeah, we'll go. Get, get, get Paul Dini to get you involved. Uh, I'll be there. You know that. I'm, yeah. It doesn't take much to get me involved. Just, you know, put some food out, and I'm, I'm there. And obviously, <laughs> on with Angelo Cataldi in the morning show. Is Are there barriers for you on the morning show on what line you could cross at that hour in the morning? Oh, yeah. Well, it's all changed um, in a couple different steps. The Janet Jackson thing, that was CBS who got fined. So that came all the way down the line. And there was also some Howard Stern stuff in there right. with lawsuits. So they, they pretty much started the mandate with with all the new rules. You can't say X, you can't, uh, this was not allowed. Uh, you know, no, no racial stuff at all. No mentions of things. No, um, you know... Uh, you just got to watch everything. So about five years ago, um, a thing came down where all my scripts have to be cleared. Right. And Angelo was reading them for a while and he, he just got tired of going back and forth with me and he gave it to Al. So Al has to read everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> he just scans it from Mexicans and, uh, you know, whatever. Are you... Do you have to? Do, uh, obviously, now we're entering a political year. I mean, you know, with with the the presidential election coming up. I mean, do Trump, you have to? Trump Trump gets away with a lot more than I do. As Trump, <laughs> that's true. That do you? True. So you have to watch what you say there, especially even though it, truth can be stranger than fiction at times. Uh, as Trump, I, I can push it, but I can't push it as far as he can. You know? Wow. Uh, it just can't. Yeah. I mean, well, he's the president, it. and you're not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> there is that. <laughs> so the comedian has more restraints than the actual politician. That's true. By the way, the Trump impression is awesome. I laugh on, on my way to school every morning I, that you're on with it. I laugh. My yes. Thank off. you, Kevin. I appreciate that. I think you're, uh, I thought you were 
little too old to be still going to school, but thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, he was talking. He was talking about windmills today. <laughs> windmills. Oh, <laughs> nice. You can't make it up. Yep. Oh well. And toilet flushing. Anyway, Joe, I appreciate it. Happy holidays, man. Good luck on Friday night. Uh, and again, MediaTheater.org. Uh, and uh, we'll see him at the Philly Sports Writers. And we will see you at the Philly Sports yeah, Writer Banquet. We couldn't Thank have one without you. Thanks for giving this some attention. I appreciate it. No problem. Hey, no, have a ho-ho and a ho. Have a great holiday there, Joe. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, the pride of Cardinal Doherty High School and from 94 WIP, it's uh, Joe Conkle. When I did the story on him, and he was great, we sat in the diner for like an hour and a half, and he said to me, he goes, he thinks there's like one of him – Kind of in every town, like you know, it's, it's like I used to say about Nutman, you know, that it, yeah, it's a totally different thing. But I don't think there's a lot of Joe Conklins. Maybe I'm wrong because I haven't I, been I, everywhere I think, in the country, but not quite. I think like there's him. morning shows that have a guy who does impressions and everything. But, but he's I think more his than a morning is show. So, guy. well, yeah, he's a full comedian, and I think also the thing is that he has in a city like this, like you don't hear on, on in New York, you don't hear impressions of. Guys, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, and I've always told Joe, and I know Joe tried to make jokes and he's a comedian. I've always, it's almost like, I always liked impressionists when I was growing up. They, they were rich little guys like that could just make, I just like it when Joe just does impressions. Yeah. Forget the jokes. Just give me Alan Iverson. Give me um, um, uh, Charles Barkley. Give me Rich Kotite. Give me um, Charlie Manuel. Just give me twenty minutes of that, and I, and I'll be rolling. I'll be uh, yeah, and 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 he's so good at it. I, I remember he said there was a couple that he he because it was funny when you asked him about me. Yeah, I don't know if I'm easy. Whatever. I mean, he's the only guy I've ever. Oh, heard you're him. very easy to impersonate. Okay, but he said because you have code words. Okay, yo, know, actually, I had somebody suggest somebody actually at the uh, thing we were at two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, words that sound like a, a recurring segment on the show of words that say I'm funny coming out of Mike Kern's mouth. You see, I never realized that I said Saturday the wrong way because everybody makes it. Rob Ellis one time and, and Jason had me on. They were saying Saturday, Saturday. And I'm like, well, huh? Like I didn't know where they were. Well, the tagger thing is the tagger. But to me, when I because I said once, um, who used to make fun of me? Um, uh, Sam Donnellan all the time. <laughs> and I said, so you want me to say tiger like tagger? I don't, I don't know. That's how it comes out. But I say Tarsdale. It's Tor. It's Torsdale, right? Mm-hmm. Torsdale. I probably say Schuylkill wrong. I say I, I don't. It, it just it is what it is. I'm you know I'm never. Tiger hit the ball in the water, and my guy from Pittsburgh used to he, when he had me on his radio show. That's the first thing I had to say. Tiger hit the ball in the water Boy. on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it's um, amazing to me that he can do. And I guess you have to have the year for it. You have to have, and he was doing that, I guess, at Cardinal Doherty. When yeah. Was, that's how he got. Yeah, it was it. funny. When when the vet closed, Joe Joe worked with them about um, a skit. And he mentioned about Vermeil and Berge and all that. Of He did a thing. They were doing a story on the vet. And the special talked about him using the sneak in the vet. Like climb over sure. the gates and everything, and who how, didn't do that? Right, and he had home movies. He yeah, oh, called his I don't have his Hitchcock movies. phase. I think was the term. It's on YouTube if you want to look at it. Um, but it, it, it's it's this is how in you know the city and his character and everything has come out in the characters he has. Obviously, the the Trump one is 
Yeah. I think every every town does have a guy who impersonates Trump. But he did Trump. tell me the same thing he just told us there. That the last five, six, seven years, things have changed. Yeah. That he's, he's it's very well, much that's everywhere. More, yeah, I know. And and sometimes I think people got to like, I agree sometimes. Sometimes we think it's funny and it's not because it might offend somebody. Um, you know, God, I, I watched Saturday Night Live for the first time in like 30 years because Eddie Murphy was hosting Saturday Night Yeah, and I actually, I was, he actually was great, that up. but he did bring up, he made some jokes about Bill Cosby that apparently Bill Cosby's spokesperson did got not really upset. And, and when I read Bill Cosby's spokesperson, it made sense. Like, I, I kind of, could understand where he was coming from, but at the time, you know, Eddie's just trying to be funny. He's just trying to play to everybody's whatever's. Um, it is a fine line you walk sometimes between being funny and maybe hurting somebody's feelings or, or I just think well, that and, and the think thing about- he did with Cotite. And All I, right. I, oh, I the Cotite was great. Andy comedy. was great. Andy was great. Yeah. Uh, Ray Rhodes, his Ray Rhodes impression oh. was awesome. Yeah. But I mean, um, you know, if, if you're Ray Charlie. Rhodes, if you're Ray Rhodes and he gets up there and he's talking and he's talking about and, raping and 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 pillaging yeah. and and all those things, maybe you know some people, like you said, Vermeil took it, you know, and that's thick. Yeah, and but I remember Bill Berge hated it. You know, Bill Berge hate, uh, hated the impression. Really? You know, I, well, that's what he was. Well, saying. I know, but you you knew it. You said, I, yeah, because Bill just didn't think he sounded like that. Like you know, Merle Reese. I'm assuming. Has no problem because he no. does moral research. Charlie Manuel had no problem. Yeah. I remember Andy Reid the one time at our banquet, and he made a couple of Andy Reid, and Andy got up and made jokes about him, yeah. which was pretty cool, I thought. Um, somebody else did that recently, a couple of years ago. There was a bald-headed joke. Um, somebody got up and made, and made a bald-headed joke about Martelli. Joe. Was it? Nah, I don't think it was Phil. It was somebody. Well, if like, it was a bald joke, no, obviously. no, 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 no. It was, no, somebody making a bald joke about him after he had made. It was somebody like from the Phillies or the Eagles or right. some team, and he he made a couple shots at him. And then when the person got up to talk, he made a couple shots about Joe. And that that's what it's supposed to be about. Like, and, and there's a and there's a line. Look, I mean, like the Cole Hamels impression. He sounded like oh, Cole God, Hamels, but it was so. I wonder if Cole liked that. You know, I remember him being at a sports writer banquet. Yeah, and you, got him, the, you got the award for yeah, and he he laughed. Yeah, but but that had that had to be one of those things that, and it's not just how he and said. Cole also the one thing with Cole and I, uh, Cole was actually really good to deal with. Cole also was a little oblivious to some stuff. Yeah. Like he didn't care. But it's not so much how, the voice; it's how he's like the things he would say when he was talking as Cole Hamels. Yeah, how the voice would come off. That's what makes it funny. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people can probably do a Cole Hamill's voice, but to do a Cole Hamill's voice in a context of having a conversation and saying something funny. There was a, you know. I, I can tell you, like everybody in the Phillies clubhouse did a Hamill's impression at one point. I'm and sure. Th- there was an awful commercial that came out um, right after the World Series. And it was like, you know, it was like for MLB hats or like New Era or something like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the. And it was, you know, Cole, a guy walks out to the mound and it's like, and Cole goes, who are you? Like that, right? So it would come on the television and Victorino would have a locker that was like at the opposite end of the clubhouse. And Victorino would scream, who are you? Like that, just yeah. across the clubhouse. Because that's... I think it's one thing when Victorino's saying it. It's another thing if, if Joe's saying it in front of 500 people. People, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just... It's funny because when Joe gets up, he's he's done me a couple of times at the sport. Nobody gets it. There's like me and Joe and like three other people. Like and and everybody else is just kind of like, who's who's he? No, nah, so I just take it for what it's worth. 
So we have reached the end of the line here on our show for this week. They're beating uh, the Giants? Oh, we're not doing it? We're, well, we're doing fr- Friday. Let me give you an update. Friday, we're going to have uh, our annual year in review show, uh, which we're taping Friday morning. Uh, we have guests lined up that we think will we'll talk the year and the decade since uh, obviously the some people 20- say the decade's not over till next year okay well i'm just saying i know the the number the Seinfeld episode the number changes over there from was no a one year to zero. A two. there was no year zero okay i'm just i am i'm not saying what's right i'm just saying there was no year zero i can't wait till the cnn special the 2011s to the 2020s you know just saying there was no year zero year one was the first year that's all i'm saying so are you done your christmas shopping i've been well the other day i had to run out i i I, now i'm at the point in my life i get a lot of gift cards because i know what people like you know my son needs this my daughter needs this with it i do i do a lot of christmas shopping because i have a lot more free time than guys that actually work um so i did a lot like weeks ago and and whatever and i haven't been feeling good the last couple weeks so it's been weird you know going around uh, I, I dropped off a lot of bottles of wine to people and things like that you know it's all good it's, it's look it's christmas is not about me it really isn't it's about kids and and all that that other stuff it's i'm i've had my christmases you know and my son-in-law and my and my daughter got me a really nice um computer that's going to try to bring me into the 21st century really um, yeah, like a what's the little ones like a Chromebook or something or yeah, they're small. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what, I don't know, like they're no, know. small. But he's I got his, he's got to set it up. I'm all distraught though because there's I got to get a, a mouse. I got to get one of those. Yeah, like that. Um, because I'm used to a mouse. I like a mouse. Um, no, no, he swears it's going to help me, and I'm sure he's right. But I thought it was really nice of him that they went out and and it was his idea apparently. So good, you know, because I'm very rarely surprised at Christmas. My son gets me gets me and my wife dinner gift cards from uh, um, Groupon, so we go out to like three dinners on them, um, which is nice. You know what? What do you what really? What are you gonna get me a golf shirt? Um, I mean, you know, if there was a Jack in the Box up the corner, yeah, get me a gift. It always comes back to that, yeah, doesn't but it? But I mean, what like what would you get me really? I I, I don't drink a lot. I don't. I eat. Um, I've got clothes. I don't need clothes. I don't need golf stuff. I got, I, I you know, I used to tell people that all the time. It's, it's, and it's been that way for a while. So Friday we'll tape our end of the year one. Um, are you, uh, we'll give our football picks. Maybe we'll do a, a mini one on Thursday to give our football picks for the final. Doing a mini one on okay. Okay. Then we'll just do, uh, we'll cut a separate segment. We're going to miss, two. we're going we're to miss the temple game. Cause that's like on thir- Thursday or Friday. Friday, so I can still get it in. I guess. Trying to, they're getting like four or five from North Carolina. I kind of like the North Carolinas. The, the Temple coach is zero and six in bowl games. I don't know what he is against the spread. Um, Carolina. Apparently Would you like to make the pick now? No, I'm just. I'm just. I might not even have an opinion on it, but I don't. I'm not in love with the Owls getting the. Uh, the guy at Carolina did a good job this year. Yeah. They got a good crowd. Yeah, they got a good quarterback. And look, Temple's won some good games. They're, yeah, they have. But their defense doesn't. It traveled to Cincinnati, but it doesn't usually travel as well. No, that, that could actually be a good game. 
And if they beat them, they can say they beat a uh, a power five power team. five team. So you know, um, and obviously, like last year, they got killed by Duke. Mm-hmm. The year before that, we were there. They got they lost to Wake Forest when their coach didn't coach the game. Right, he was off to Waco. Was that three years ago? Three years ago. What was two years ago? I don't know. Two years ago, did they do the? Did they go to a bowl game that year? They went to Shreveport, didn't they? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I know. One year they lost to Toledo. In a game they probably should have won. There are too many bowl games. You, you think? You, this just like this this brain surge came like through the air and hit you. I, I was realizing There's this like as I games. sat in a Red Robin on Saturday night, and it was the Camilla Bowl. Camellia. Camellia Bowl. Yes, and and I had the winner in that game. By the way, um, don't ask how. They, they just—it's a reason for all these teams. And I'm going to say this: it's going to sound the wrong way, like Temple. And I don't mean it that way because Temple probably, if there was 30 bowl games, would be deserving of going to a bowl game if you just went. Yeah, and but if you're 6-6, six and six, you shouldn't go to a bowl game. If you're 7-5, and five, you shouldn't go to a bowl game. You know, there was a time, I think, I used to do a bowl pool, and we had a lot of fun with it. There was 15 bowl games. Mm-hmm. So 30 teams went to bowl games. Now, there wasn't 130 teams, and there was probably 90. A bowl game should be a reward for a season. It should not be... You know, to me, but that's the way it is. And and you look at these stadiums, there's nobody in the stadium. No. So they're basically made for TV bowl. I mean, Vegas, the Vegas Bowl the other night was interesting only because of the Peterson angle. And that didn't yeah. even turn out to be a great. But that was a decent matchup in Boise State and Washington. And Washington was like 7-5 and five this year. Yeah. That's why they were in that game yeah. in the first place. But, yeah, I mean, my, my usual take on it is any game played before Christmas is not worth playing. No, like today it's you have the Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, the Hawaii Bowl tomorrow. That's BYU and Hawaii. Why? Yeah. And, and teams it, get to play it at, at their home site sometimes. Yeah. What was it? Oh, so the two winners I had. Louisiana Tech Miami's being played in Shreveport. That's one of my picks. I took the Tex. Right. And Miami, you know Miami's lost eight or the last nine bowl games? And Tex won five in a row. And do you know that Skip Holtz is the coach at Tech? Yeah. I see. I didn't know that. But... He's apparently won four or five straight bowl games, and now they're sending him home to play a Miami team that probably doesn't want to be anywhere near Shreveport on December the 27th or 26th or whenever they're playing. I don't know. It, it, it's And obviously the big ones this weekend. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that that's – yeah. And see, to me, that's another bad thing college football does. The playoffs should be, like, by themselves. There shouldn't be, like, bowl games the day before the playoffs and bowl games the day – no, there's a bowl. There's a bowl game on right that, bef- that day. Yeah, there's that like three day. of them, isn't there? Penn State you got play, four. Doesn't Penn State? Play you got Notre Dame, Iowa State right. at noon, right? In in the Camping World Bowl, and Penn State. You got Penn State, Memphis. Then you got the playoff. See, you know what's wrong with that whole scenario? Notre Dame should be playing Penn State, and Iowa State should play Memphis. Yeah, you'd have two better games. Um, just like I said, the game where Florida's playing in the uh, Orange Bowl, that's a bad matchup. By the way, I think I think Penn State gets beat. I think Memphis, the, no, the, 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 the group of five teams always take these games way more seriously than the power five teams. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, last year, uh, UCF lost. They won the year before that. Uh, I mean, it all matters which Penn State team shows up. Yeah. If Penn State decides they want to play, uh, I mean, in general principle, I agree with you. you, you like last year, the game I loved was Texas against Georgia. Texas mm-hmm. was getting like a touchdown. Georgia wanted no parts of that game. No. 
Um, but the two games this week, so what do you have? You have Oklahoma getting about 17, right? Yeah, against LSU. That's a lot of points. And I know LSU is... is and Clemson's favorite over Ohio State, which is honestly the... the that game on paper, I think, will be more competitive than whatever the winner, assuming the winner is going to face LSU. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think LSU is the best team. They might not win the championship. They, they beat five top ten teams. No, but what I'm saying is I think LSU is head and shoulders above. And I'll tell you what. Until somebody beats Clemson, and I'm not saying they won't, because Ohio State is really good, and LSU is really good. Okay, I'm assuming they're going to beat Oklahoma. But yeah. Until somebody beats Clemson, I almost feel the same way about Clemson now as I do about Bama. Yeah. Like, until you beat them, and, like, in that game, you could look at it two ways. Ohio State might feel ticked that they're an underdog. Yeah, they might say. Clemson feels ticked because they're the third seed. And all year long, people have said how much they stunk. I'm telling you what. If I think just off the top of my head right now, I think I would take Clemson. I would, too. In that game. But Ohio State's really... Take, uh, because I think... And not, nothing against Ryan Field, but Dabo is just that good. You have three really good teams, and none of them are named Bama, so there's no prejudice there. And, and you, the, you know what would have really and been the defense coordinator for Clemson. Brett, is it Brett Vanderbilt? Could be. Yeah. He's the guy you used to be at Oklahoma? Yes. Okay. He is... I mean, their they're, defenses have been... Their quarterback's great. They're, much and, and their defense this year isn't as good as the one last year. Last year. They sent like four guys in the first two rounds. Wouldn't it have been neat, though, if Baylor had somehow snuck in, beaten Oklahoma, Matt Rule in the playoffs? Now, he wanted to beat LSU. LSU, but to get fun. to the playoffs. That would have been fun. And he may not, that may be his last game at Baylor. Could very easily be his last I game. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with um, with the Giants' job. With the... I can't see Jerry Jones hiring the Baylor coach. That's just me. I Maybe somebody will go up to Jerry and say, hey, Jerry, this guy's pretty good. You might want to take a look at this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see the Giants. Although, all fairness, Mike McCarthy's being mentioned as the name up there because... Uh, Connection with uh, Gettleman? Well, I don't know about that, but just the fact that he probably should have got a job last year. Like, all the people wanted the Jets to hire Mike McCarthy. They got a young quarterback, you know, and, and the, the thought is, okay, you know, if you think this guy is any good, bring in a guy who can work with quarterbacks. I don't... No, if that's which, by the way, the most the most incredible news of the weekend in the NFL somehow Tom Coughlin got fired. Yeah, Jacksonville. Allegedly, he was going to retire. Right. Doug Marone apparently is staying. Hey, look, it's your franchise, baby. I mean, when they went out and signed Nick Foles, I just sat there and go, really? So somebody's going to give Nick Foles? God bless Nick Foles. Sixty million. Give him thirty million. I mean, I know. And 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 you know the other thing that bothers me, I just. These people, somebody said it on, on it might have been Rex Ryan that said it, or Orlovsky, or, or, or somebody. Well, you know, they shouldn't have that statue of Nick Foles. Dudes, he won. I don't, well, it's not fair to Carson Wentz. He won a Super Bowl. Now, I don't blame them for putting a statue up. I don't think it had to be right now. Fair. Yeah, but what I'm saying is they, they wanted to do it. The city wanted to do it. Well, so it put, was a beer promotion. I mean, ad. You, okay, you put Doug up there too. I mean, Doug could go three and thirteen the next three years. But what I'm saying is, it was our moment. We hadn't had the moment. We waited fifty two years for the moment, and now you're telling me because it might not be fair to Carson Wentz. No, Carson, go win a Super Bowl. We'll put a statue up of you. We'll put, a, we'll put two statues up of you. But what I'm saying is, why do these people? Why do these people want to tell Philadelphians how to like? I, I just and nobody's. 
Nick Foles was a good guy who had a great moment and almost had another one last year. Like, you know, I mean, if, if Alshon holds on. But just let us enjoy our moment. Please don't don't crap on our moment. It's our moment, you know? <laughs> if he oh, got into the no. Super Bowl and lost yeah. and we put up a statue, I'd say, oh, yeah, no, no, let, 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 let's, no. He won, and he was the MVP, and outplayed the greatest quarterback of all time in the game. Yeah. Please, please, come on. But but I knew going somewhere else, it, it it just wasn't, you know. And the amazing thing is Jacksonville had that great year two years ago where they should have been in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. I should have. They had New England beat, and it all went. That's what the NFL is. Yep. It's... You got to enjoy them while you get can enjoy them. All right, so we will talk see you to you Friday. We will see you Friday. Year end spectacular. We'll also break down Eagles and hope you get everything under your tree to, that you would like to get under your tree, or under your Hanukkah menorah, menorah bush, whatever menorah. Yeah, whatever, whatever you celebrate, whatever is your holiday. I hope it's and enjoy the best one you ever had. And enjoy it with family and friends and And then tune in to us on Friday. Then tune in to us on Friday when you're returning all the gifts that your family and friends gave you. Used to be my favorite day here. For Mike Kern, I'm Kevin Cooney. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. We will talk to you on Friday.